And here it is again. It's Still Sober with John Rabin, episode 10.21, which is uh, year 10, week 21, or season 10, episode 21, depending on, you know, what uh, arbitrary number makes you more comfortable with your podcast listening experience. I'm John Rabin, and if you're a sober person, I hope you're staying sober if you're not a sober person. Hope you're staying sane. I don't know what you've got going on. Um, I've got a bunch of different things. I'll tell you something that uh, um, you probably know, but I'm going to just want to uh, reinforce an already known thing. If you buy a piece of furniture or in my case a storage shed that is more affordable than some of the overpriced things you see at Home Depot or Lowe's and you buy it through Amazon make sure you read the comments and sift through what is probably AI AI, uh, reviews and comments and um, fake ones just to find, you know, you want to, you want to find, you're going to get what you pay for. So you're going to get a piece of shit, but you're buying something cheap because it fits what you're doing. Basically, in my case, you need, I need to store stuff in the back And it doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be nice. You know, I'm renting. I'm not even a homeowner. So this is not like something that I'm necessarily going to take with me. Um, we'll see. Boy, that's going to be interesting. Uh, what am I going to do with the storage shed when I go? I guess we'll rent there forever. Uh, anyway... Read the comments and see the um, how hard or easy it is to assemble. And it's probably going to be slightly difficult. But more importantly, look for all the comments where they say that holes aren't drilled in the right spots or that things don't line up correctly. So you want to minimize because you'll be given several choices of affordable slash piece of shit storage sheds or whatever else so you find the one that's highest ranking and then in the and then you look in the reviews and read through them take your time to read through them and see you know the least amount of uh, this thing didn't fit together right Um, and that's what I did for this storage shed however it still took also what what people say how long it takes to put together add about an hour or two to it because it is an undertaking and realize at the end of the day after you've put it together or when you're in the middle of putting it together that you're not going to feel like you did the right thing that you're like why did i do this to save a a couple hundred dollars this is some bullshit i'm just making my life harder. However, by the next day or two, 
when the soreness wears off and you're emotionally calmed down from assembling a piece of shit, you'll feel like, hey, it's not bad. I did a pretty good job. Man, I'm glad I have two to three hundred extra dollars that I didn't just spend on something that I also would have had to put together but would have been slightly better constructed, maybe. That's that's where I'm getting at. That's That was my weekend while watching um, playoff NFL football slash listening, basically assembling a uh, uh, a freaking shit. Also, also, if you're going to uh, assemble something made of sheet metal, don't do it on a weekend where the winds are high. That might have made things a little bit more difficult that I probably could have avoided, but my timing was off. I went with the temperature. You know, what's the best day based on the forecast? I went with temperature. I didn't look at the wind. Wind's important, especially when it's sheet metal that you're holding up and you're having to stand up and that uh, does a great job of catching wind and, uh, you know, reversing any progress that you make on uh, said shed. So uh, a lot of lessons, a lot of lessons I learned this weekend um, with uh, putting together a piece of shit. Um, but I had gotten a, a, a driver slash drill, like a high-powered drill for Christmas, and I got to use it. Um, so it kind of evens out. It was frustrating, but also, you know, tools, man, and, you know, adult toys. They're fucking great. So that's that's what I learned. You know, last week I mentioned that I had taken that Enneagram personality test and uh, that it, that we were doing some workplace meeting with a bunch of people. And it's funny because we did that thing um, and I found out that there is a, uh, there was a person, uh, a salesperson that I, In a, and then this is just she's not really my nemesis but I pretend that she's my nemesis because it's kind of like this is this is what your motivation it, it helps with motivation and honestly it's um, it gives me a, a chance to comically rant and entertain um, co-workers it really has nothing to do specifically with uh, a person like personally not taking something personally um, it's just a reason, reason to bitch. Um, but the person that, uh, that I had, uh, um, clashed with, at least on paper. So I got to meet her in the meeting in this little, little, um, what is it? Workshop, powwow, this conference thing. And personality-wise, we're exactly the same. Because, of course, we are. It's basically me clashing with another strong 
loud person. And it's like, I don't know, something about them I don't particularly care for. Is it because they remind you of you? Maybe. But then once you find that out, you're like, no, they're all right. <laughs> I don't know what my problem was before. I, I totally get them. It makes sense. Makes sense to me. What I liked about it, though, because reading up on it, it could have gone it could have gone poorly this uh, this little workshop because they could have with this whole philosophy this enneagram philosophy thing and like I said feel free to look at, to do a nice little Google search or watch a couple of YouTube videos um, it could go like most philosophy and you know like eastern philosophy and different things like when you're talking about zen or when you're talking about any kind of anything uh in that area it could go a certain direction where they just assume that you're a broken person or that you've got issues and that you're trying to better yourself as opposed to this is something that I've been encouraged to do at work and it's like a team building exercise that I'm being held hostage for, you know, a morning, but at least I'm getting paid for it kind of a deal. I was afraid that they were going to move in that direction because there's a lot of the stuff when you're reading about how you can improve uh, on your weaknesses and, uh, you know, focus on your strengths and but but how to become a better person. And I'm like, hey, I'm fine. There's a lot of that. It's 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 a lot like how uh, there are some religions that just are, but other religions do, like Christianity, do recruiting. You know, with the the mindset of uh, you know we've got to increase our numbers and go out and preach the gospel and kind of force it on people who don't give a shit and who don't feel like they need to do anything like they're already doing what they want to do like i am happy or at least i was happy until you started talking to me trying to tell me about how i could be happy i was happy until you started talking so why don't you stop talking and i'll go back to being uh fulfilled as a person kind of a deal forcing it on to someone does not work a lot in the same way as if you have a loved one or a family member who is self-destructing with uh, alcohol or drugs you can't make them get help you can't make anybody do the right thing you just you, you can't you can't help somebody who doesn't want to help themselves so it's I don't know I, I don't like that because I don't like the idea of people just assuming that you know everybody has everybody has weaknesses and everybody has faults we all have uh, traumas and scars but the thing about it is is that who I am is made up of 
my scars and my trauma. And I'm doing fine. I do work on myself, you know, or make adjustments when I see things that are like, oh, that's going off the rails. Uh, maybe I shouldn't should stop uh, ignoring that and shoving it deep down inside and keeping an eye on it. And maybe I should actually do something about that or work a little bit on here. Oh, there's a good reminder that maybe I should do that. As opposed to, you know, just being forced into being a better, you know, your self-improvement, work on this, what you work on you. In the long run, at the very end, the end of the day, at the end of your life, when you die, it doesn't matter how self-improved you are when you're dead. You know, you're not trying to reach a uh, reach perfection before the the ride is over. Um, it's only a matter of do you are you having an issue or you know are you unhappy um, and is there something that you can do about it that's uh, to get out of a, a self destructive pattern that you can't maintain. It's a lot like when you see. You know, it's why, like, uh, you'll deal with people in recovery who are very judgmental because um, it's very easy to see um, self-destruction in others. It's very easy to recognize what you um, deal with in others. And and sometimes it's, it's, you're, you know, especially when you're somebody like myself, who's good at reading people, but also you're so self-confident and you have to deal with the fact that if you're not paying attention, your truth becomes, in your mind, is the truth. Which that's that that's a whole other thing when people are like, I'm, I'm just speaking my truth. I'm like, I, yeah, but y- you know who else was speaking his truth? Hitler. <laughs> Hitler was following his truth. Um, so yeah, so that's a, that's a, that's a pet peeve of mine. Um, but so it is nice, it's nice to be self-aware so you can realize when you're like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm totally leaning into, um, my way is the way that it should be because, you know, that's, that's a little fascist-y ish fascist ish no fascisty fascisty how can i make something into uh something else how can i make a, a real word into a word that doesn't exist um but you get me you see what i mean it's so you got to be careful but but mainly short story long it turned out all right. It was more of a, hey, let's, everybody, it was a very helpful exercise, uh, the workshop that I went to, because you got to see um, arbitrarily personality types based on this system, who everybody is, um, and everybody seemed to be like, yeah, this is pretty accurate. So you kind of got to see a perspective from people who are more, um, people who avoid confrontation versus people who relish confrontation, i.e. me, um, people who are more like supportive and, you know, just trying to be, 
trying to get through people who thrive, who are workaholics and thrive and when given challenges versus people who like to uh, just have a good time all the time, man. And it's just like, let's take everybody, just chill the fuck out kind of a, kind of thing. So it's nice. It's nice to kind of see who everybody is and it, it keeps things in perspective moving forward and kind of, kind of sticks in my mind at least, you know, that how I can soften my reactions based on the type of person I'm dealing with to get effective results. Unless like I do, I come off cause I can come off intimidating that I do it on purpose because I want to be intimidating. Cause I've talked about that before that sometimes I like being intimidating because people don't dump their busy work on me. This is, I hate busy work. So it's nice to um, put up a block and set boundaries to avoid being taken advantage of with bullshit busy work that somebody else could be doing. I don't know if that makes sense. You know, it's like, is it is it worth being perceived as kind of an asshole just so you're not given unnecessary tasks some would say no I would say yes because we are all not friends here this is a job but regardless it's nice to know where everybody stands that was kind of the thing but it really got me thinking about how um, a lot of people and Recovery, recovery people like related to that recovery people who are, you know, who make assumptions that people who uh, do drugs or people who are drinking, if they're doing any substances, if they're consuming any substances of any kinds at, at all, it's easy to kind of look at their flaws and their bad habits and kind of sit there and go, they've got addiction problems. And they ought to be careful because they're, you know, it may not end well, which is true. It could go bad. But what it also could do is may, is hold and people be a functioning alcoholic or a functioning drug user. And as long as they maintain the financial capabilities to continue to consume said alcohol or drugs... And it's not destroying their life. Who who are we to ta- to say they need to get help or they need to do something about it? That's why recovery doesn't work. You can't you know you can't force it on somebody. You can't make them. You can't casually come in and go, hey, you know, do this for me. Uh, you know, it's they have to work it. They have to want help they have to need help in their mind and then really put forth the effort so we have to be careful with our judgment based on other people we have to keep in mind that it is them it is up to them it's not us we can't determine if somebody's somebody's an addict we can't determine if somebody's an alcoholic it's just it's that It'd be nice to just go, nope, you need okay, therapy for you, therapy for you, AA for you. How about NA for you? Why don't you try that for a little bit? Um, you know, it, it's, 
It's not something we're able to do. I mean, we are able to do it. It's not something we should do. How about that? Yeah. Yeah, just a nice uh, quick uh, observation before I get out of here. That's all. That's what we did today. Uh, stillsoberpod at gmail.com for any questions or comments that are positive to neutral. Um, yeah, that's it. We'll see you next week. Later. Yeah.